Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, your life connection to the information for a healthy body, an enlightened mind, and a renewed spirit. Good morning. Good morning to everyone who is listening in this morning to my show, Blessings with Selene. Welcome and thank you for giving of your time to listen in. As you know, it's December, and you know what that means. Lots of shopping, lots of gatherings, lots of good food, and lots of activities. It's a hectic time of the year during which we buy gifts for our loved ones, which may or may not be something that is stressful to us, depending on our financial situation. It's also time to express our gratitude to coworkers as we share small gifts, during Secret Santa activities, to our neighbors, or even to strangers by volunteering at homeless shelters, soup kitchens, and such. It is certainly a time when we're collectively called outside of ourselves in order to give to others. So what am I driving at with this? Well, all this activity is not very conducive to reflection. And reflection is very important in life. Don't you agree? Because when we reflect, we get a deeper sense of knowing, a clarity, and a sense of connection to something greater that can add greatly to our interactions and to the quality of our lives. So if we could carve out a few minutes a day to get in touch with why we're doing what we're doing, to consider whether we're pushing ourselves harder than it is healthy for us, to ponder whether that extra gift or that extra trip to the store is absolutely necessary. If we can do that, carve out a few minutes to get in touch with this and to ask ourselves whether it's the best thing to do for us, then we can experience a greater sense of ease, less stress, and more peace during the holidays. Try it. Well, talking about the holidays, this is a very difficult time for anyone who has lost a child or a loved one. So I would like to start by asking you a question. What is the most difficult thing about the holidays for you? So feel free to call into the show with your answer at 646 378 I know that there are many memories connected to the holidays in relationship to our dear one, and it can be hard to be around people at this time. It's natural to feel like foregoing, doing away with the festivities and staying at home, nursing our heart. That is what we want. That's what we want for us. And this is understandable. But my recommendation is to do whatever you feel like doing. One of the factors at play here is that if you have lost a child, the pain will be keener because invariably there will be children at the family gathering. And if you have lost a spouse or a family member, it is also extremely hard to make it through the holidays without that loved one. So many memories of other holidays shared. The truth is that unless People, the people around us, including family members, 
they have also experienced, unless they have also experienced the same kind of loss, nobody can fully understand exactly how you feel or what you need at this time. This week, I was appalled when one of the bereaved mothers that I know shared this with me. She told me that family and friends keep on telling her that she needs to get over it. Her only child passed away only two years ago. It's unbelievable that she would have to listen in. She would have to listen to people telling her this, as if you can never get over the, the loss of a child. You can continue to move forward, but that doesn't mean that you will get over it. Another mother told me that several people had compared the loss of her daughter to the loss of their pet. Her comment to me, the comment of this mother to me was, I understand that they love their pet, but they did not carry their pet for nine months inside of them or gave birth to them. It is different, and I can't believe that they did not know better. And I agree with her, but, you know, people mean well. And what is hard is that those who are bereaved have to reach out from the depths of their depleted states to offer understanding to, to people that make comments like that, okay? So when those who are bereaved hear those kind of comments, it complicates their grief, okay, because of what I was saying. They have to reach out for them from their depleted state to offer understanding. And this shouldn't be the case. People should, they really, truly should know that it is best to not say anything than to say the wrong thing. There is nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with silence. Nothing at all. So I would like to talk a little bit now about the word acceptance. One of the most difficult things anyone who is bereaved has to deal with is the coming to terms, the accepting of what has happened, as well as the fact that what has happened is irrevocable. I have met many parents who struggle because they just cannot accept the fact that their child is no longer alive and with them. And I feel that those who have experienced a loss cannot do any more than that, than what they're doing day to day. They cannot speed up the process. And at some point, they will come to accept their new reality, no matter how horrible it is. But people, the people around them, oftentimes, meaning well, but it doesn't, it's not helpful, they try to pressure the bereaved person into accepting. And that is not something that can be forced. There is a natural progression to the healing from grief that is different for everyone and that cannot be rushed. So the important thing is to offer kindness to oneself. So any of you who is listening, the important thing is to offer kindness to yourself at every step of the way and to recognize, to say to yourself that you are doing the best that you can at any given moment, okay? So just taking one step in front of the other can be a major feat for someone who has lost a loved one. And this may be even harder to do during the holidays. So please keep this in mind. If anyone who's listening knows someone or has a friend who is bereaved, 
please keep what I'm telling, what I'm saying right now in mind and offering a listening ear, understanding if they decline your invitation to get together and offer kindness because grief is hard and it takes a toll, a huge toll on the one who is grieving. So not only does the person who is bereaved eventually move towards acceptance, but I firmly believe that those around that person, those who form his or her support system, would benefit also from accepting the changes that they see in the bereaved. And they will benefit from accepting that they cannot expect the same things from them than before the loss. They will benefit from accepting that life as they knew it for the bereaved has changed for the one who is bereaved. And, and even though it may not seem to them that the person is moving forward, the person is moving forward. Just the fact that that person, the bereaved one, is surviving is enough at that time. Not enough steps are taken in our society to educate us about the importance of keeping these things in mind when striving to support those around us who have experienced a loss. Don't you agree? Feel free to call in at 646-378-0378 with any questions or comments that you would like to share because I would love to hear from you. So as I was saying, both the memories that we have about our loved ones and the lack of understanding coming sometimes from the family, other times from friends, and other times from strangers, make it harder for anyone who had lost a loved one to function during the holidays. So what are some of the practices that you could do to help yourself during this time? Well, as we know, our minds create our thoughts, and our thoughts create our feelings and our emotions. Therefore, if we take control over our thoughts, we can affect our emotions and our feelings. So what this means is that if we focus on switching our thoughts, whenever we find ourselves inevitably and naturally thinking about painful memories, about our loss, or how much we miss our dear one, if we can switch our thoughts when we're dwelling on the pain towards thoughts of a positive nature, still related to our loved ones, then we can change our feelings from sadness and pain to a more more positive state. We may even smile as we remember funny or sweet things our loved one did. If we begin to try to do this every time while dwelling on our sad thoughts, we will diminish the pain and the sadness. And, you know, just a small diminution of the pain is enough to help us a little bit during the holidays. Every little bit helps. The other thing that we can do in addition to switching our thoughts is to dwell on gratitude, to consciously choose to think about the blessings and the gift that it was to have had our child or our loved one in our lives for as long as we did, or for as little as we did, rather than to think about what we have lost. Dwelling on grateful thoughts is very healing because it brings about feelings of warmth and of love that can have a lasting effect. But we can try doing this during the holidays by reminiscing about all the holidays that we have spent together with our loved ones. And I know this is hard to do. I know it sounds simple, but I know 
that is very difficult, especially because with every every grain, you know, every from every depth of our being, we don't want to do this. You know, we need to dwell on our pain. And that is fine to do, of course, to not discard the pain. But when it's getting to be too unbearable, when it's, when it's uh, affecting the way you function, then you have these things that you can try to help you get out of it, which is the reason why I'm offering them to you today. So <clears throat> I know that they, they, these practices are not easy to, imp- to implement, especially during the first months and the first year after our loss. But they can be done, even, even that early with benefit because neither dwelling on the sadness or on the gift that it was to have had our loved one will bring back to life our loved one. But our day-to-day experience will be easier if we choose the latter. If we choose to dwell on the gift it was to have had our loved one and if we choose to feel grateful for it. It is a matter of choice and the choice is ours and it is no one else's to make. So now I would like to talk about something that most people who have lost a loved one have to deal with, and that is regret. Torture ourselves by thinking, why did I do this? Or why didn't I do that? So let me tell you that we need to stop being so hard on ourselves, and we need to take a minute to recognize and to remind ourselves of all the times when we were there for our children or for our loved one, rather than the very few times when we were less than perfect. Because we're human. Because we may have been tired or irritable. Don't you agree that it is time that we make it a practice to switch our thoughts from torturing ourselves or not having been perfect to remembering that everything we did was with a loving intention of helping and that we gave all that we had at that time. So I encourage you, I truly encourage you to begin to incorporate this to your daily routine. And if you do this, if you remind yourself of all the, of the fact that your intention was pure, that you always did your best to try to help, to love on that person, on your loved ones, you will begin to experience less suffering at a time when you need it the most, when you need a reprieve, when you need a break so that you can survive. So I'm going to do now a short meditation, and this short meditation is about self-forgiveness. So it is important, I hope that you are not driving, and if you are driving, please stop listening right now, or if you want to pull over and park while while you listen to this uh, short meditation, okay? So we're going to begin by closing your eyes. Close your eyes and take a deep breath in and let it out through your mouth. And now let's do this again two more times. In to your mouth. And again, in and out through your mouth. Now I want you to see yourself in your mind's eye. Visualize yourself standing in front of your loved one who passed. The two of you are looking into each other's eyes. 
As you do this, you begin to notice that tons, tons of little hearts are coming out of your heart and they are moving towards your loved one's heart. And you begin to feel the love pouring from your heart and reaching your loved one's heart. And as you notice this, a warmth begins to spread throughout your chest area. And this warmth feels very healing, soothing to you. It feels so soothing that a smile spreads across your face. And then you look at your loved one's face and you see pure love radiating from it as tons of little hearts begin to flow from his or her heart towards your heart and your chest area gets even warmer and you begin to experience such a sense of peace and love as you have never felt before. Stay with this feeling for a few seconds. Bask in it. Now, you look at your loved one. You look into his or her eyes and say, thank you for loving me for letting me know that you always felt and feel my love for you, for letting me know that I have nothing, absolutely nothing to torture myself about, and for affirming for me that our bond and our love will never die. Point, you notice a presence by your right side and realize that there is an angel there. The angel reveals to you that his name is Archangel Azrael. And he tells you that he helps those who are grieving. You clearly hear him say to you, I'm reminding you to call on me to give you guidance, to give you strength, to give you support and healing when you are struggling the most. And so after listening to this, you vow to remember that you are not alone in your grief and that you will ask for his help for the help of Archangel Azrael, who is the Archangel who helps those who are grieving, for his help in the future. And you say, thank you from the bottom of your heart. Stay with a sense of gratitude just for a second. Now take a deep breath in 
and take it out, let it out through your mouth. And when you're ready, open your eyes. You can write down this meditation and later record yourself saying it and play it whenever you're having a difficult time. Why am I suggesting this? Because meditations can be very healing. They speak to our subconscious mind and therefore they go deeper than we can go consciously. I like this meditation because it brings to light one of the lessons I learned during my own journey of loss. And that is that in our life, we most often than not feel that we must solve all of our problems by ourselves, that we're all alone. And this is even more true when we're grieving. Our grief isolates us and makes us feel more alone than ever. And that is the reason why so often we forget to ask for help. Isn't it true that many people tell us, well, let me know if there's anything I can do to help and that we never call anyone to take them up on their offer? Isn't it true that we're so exhausted physically, emotionally, and spiritually to even begin to think about what kind of help we need? Isn't it true that we feel so disheartened that we even forget to ask God or a higher power or the angels for help? This is true, right? Well, we need to change this because, for one, the angels sole aim is to help us in our lives, but they cannot help us unless we ask, you see? So let today be the day when you realize this and you take it to heart and you begin to ask the angels for assistance, for guidance, for support, for signs, for whatever it is that you need. And after you do this, get ready because you will be showered with signs of their presence. It could be that you begin to notice feathers appear in your path and in unusual places. That is the angels making their presence known to you. Or it could be that you begin to notice repetitive number sequences, like in license plates or in the clock or on a sign, such as 1111 or 888 or 333 and such. The angels often use these sequences to give us a message. So you can Google number sequences, Doreen Virtue, or you can Google sacred numbers, and you will find in both of those sites an index of the meanings of the number sequences. And I promise, I promise to you that your heart will be touched as you receive the affirmation, the encouragement, and the support that you so need at the perfect time when you look up the meanings of these repetitive number sequences that you have been receiving. So connecting with the angels is very healing because not only you are positively affected, you are really based by in the purity of their energy, by your feelings of aloneness will go by the wayside. They will fall by the wayside as you realize that, that you're not alone and that they're always around you. And all you have to do is ask for their help and protection and, and guidance and assistance. And they will give it to you. Okay? <clears throat> there is something else that can be helpful if you're grieving during the holidays. And that is to take some time to think about what you could do, what 
what could you do in the name of your loved ones that will make a difference in the world? Perhaps your loved one was very compassionate, whether it was a child or an adult, and wanted always to help, let's say, the homeless. Then you could put together a care package or several of them and drop them off at a homeless shelter or give them to the homeless in your area. Doing something like this will honor the goodness of your loved one. And it is an extension of their life. The things that they couldn't do in life, they can do through you. And this can be very healing because you are making a difference in their name. Just imagine the impact that that will have, not just in making a difference to the people that you're helping, but the impact that will have, the healing impact that doing something like this can have in the healing of your heart. Just think about that. So you know that one of the hardest things to grapple with when grieving is that when we experience our loss, life, life as we knew it ended right then and there. No matter how much we don't want it to be this way, our life will no longer have our loved one's presence, our loved one's input. So we can help ourselves, and this is another way, another thing that we can do to help ourselves, is that we can create our own ritual in which we have some quiet time to reminisce about our lives before the loss, all the times that we spent with our loved ones and express gratitude, just as I mentioned earlier. And then imagine that we put all of these memories into a special box for safekeeping and we close the lid. Okay, so this is something that we can do one day when we have like half an hour or so to just have this little ritual. So we just think all those memories, you know, and they're good memories. We're going to be putting in there all these good memories that we had with our loved one, and we put them in this box. It's imaginary, beautiful box for safekeeping. You can also do not an imaginary box. You can actually, you know, find a, a, your own box. You can make your own box. You can find a perfect vessel, and then you can write in strips of paper loving memories, funny memories, things that kind of are uplifting for you in relationship to the memory with your loved one and put them in that and then close it. But then whenever you need a lift, you can open it up and retrieve one of those memories, okay? So you put in that special box to keep it and close the lid. So then now you can make a vow. You can either say it out loud or in your head, that you will promise to always include the memory of your loved one in every step that you take forward as you enter this new phase in your life. So you recognize that you did not choose this new phase, but that you accept it nonetheless, okay? And so you have this memory, and just because you put them in a, in a, in a box and close the lid, that doesn't mean that they are gone. It just means that they are there and you will never forget them and that you will um, bring them out to the light, to your consciousness from time to time and, um, how do you say, include that the memory of your loved one in the new phase in your life that you're entering, okay? So to continue this, you can see in your mind's eye yourself living life but never forgetting your loved ones always keeping their memory alive, while at the same time giving yourself permission to live again. And this is very hard to do because part of us feels that in moving forward, we're leaving our loved ones behind. But the truth is 
that it does not have to be that way. No, you know, we can move forward while always carrying the memory of our loved one with us, while including him or her in the future that we are creating. And one of these, one example of this is deciding to do something during the holidays in memory of your loved ones. So that is one way, and I mentioned this before, of continuing to live while keeping the memory of your loved ones with you. And not only that, when you do this, you share his or her memory, the legacy he or she did not get to live with the world. So uh, let me give you another example about this. And this is an example that comes from my personal life. So even though my son Christopher has been gone for 22 years, to this day, whenever I take a photo of his brother and sister, I see Christopher in my mind's eye, standing there with them. I always imagine what he would look like at whichever age he would have been had he been alive at the time of the photo. And it is comforting because I may not see him physically, but I know, I feel like deep in the marrow of my bones, deep in my soul, that spiritually he's ever present in my life and in the lives of his brother and sister. Do you also do something like this? Do you feel something like this? If so, I would love to hear from you by calling our show at 646-378-0378. Since we're talking about photos, I have a question for anyone who is listening. Have you noticed flashes of light, of orbs of light showing up in your photos after the passing of your loved one? I share with you that it took me a while to notice this. But a couple of years after my son's death, I remember vividly that my son took a photo of me on a very sunny day. And when I picked up the photo, it had a huge flash of light right beside me. And they have been no flash use. This is like, like a noon. Another time, I was taking a photo of my son. I was taking a photo of him. And when he was developed, again, a huge flash of light right next to him. My son the one I was taking the picture of, was very close to his brother. And in fact, Christopher was his hero. So it was heartwarming for me to notice this phenomenon in the photos because he was proof that he was around us and that he was making his presence known to us. Isn't that special? Have you noticed this? I know another phenomenon that can happen in photos is small colored orbs. I myself have not noticed those, but I know that other people have. So I'm going to share with you, in relationship to this, another experience. You know, this is also from my life. And it happened on a day when I was to get married. My son uh, took a photo of me and my daughter. And this has to do with the spiritual experiences that um, bereaved parents begin to have. And um, even a skeptical bereaved parents like, like me, I was very skeptical. And I didn't believe in stuff like this happening until they began to happen to me. And this is one instance. So I was about to get married and my son, my son took a photo of me and my daughter. And there again was a huge, when, when, later on when the photo was developed, there was a huge flash of light right next to me. But shortly before that photo was taken, as I was getting ready for the wedding, I was standing in front of the closet doors. And um, the closet doors began to shake violently. He was like angry. They, they closet doors were like angrily shaking. They were the kind of closet doors that, that are like mirrored. 
and the, they're sliding, there was nothing that could have caused them to shake like this, you know, frontwards and backwards. And it was like, I was like, what is going on? All the windows were closed. There was no wind. There was no earthquake happening. There truly it was no reason why that should be happening. And I was left feeling truly puzzled. So, but a few weeks later, this ended up making a lot of sense to me when I realized that the person that I married was not worthy of me and that it had all been a terrible mistake. My son, Christopher, was warning me. He was warning me from the other side of the veil. And I was not able to decipher his message in time to take action right away. Because I'm someone who has a delayed reaction to things. It's always been that way. So it's not a surprise. But, you know, what matters is that in the end, I was able to put two and two together, and I was able to realize what the meaning was. And I did take steps to remedy my mistake. So unless this happens to you, or it has happened to you, I know it is hard. It is so hard to believe this sort of happening. I know. I once used to be very skeptical of anything that could not be proven. But, you know, as I mentioned just a little while ago, all that changed after my son died. And that is why when I began to, experience, to have experiences that defied rational thinking and that nudged me to get in touch with my intuition. Have you experienced a similar nudge? Or have you also noticed some sort of events that are hard to believe with your rational mind, but that your intuition or your gut tell you that it is indeed your loved one communicating with you? Are you? Well, let's move on to the subject now of how profoundly changed we are after we have experienced a catastrophic loss. This could be the loss of a child, the loss of a loved one, or a huge financial loss, or a relationship breakup. Regardless of the cause, we are changed as a result of the loss. And the task that we face is how we're going to pick up the pieces of our life. The first thing we need to do is to take stock on the outer changes. What has changed in our outer world? Make a list of them. For example, if you lost a child, there is one empty space at the dinner table. Same if you lost a loved one. Well, this serves as a daily and vivid reminder of what has changed, of what you have lost. So um, if you have lost a, a lot of money and are facing ruin, you may have had your car repossessed or your house taken, and now you have to figure out how to survive. If you have a broken heart, you now have to reconfigure your activities without that person in it. Then once you realize how your outer life world has changed, then you can begin to take steps to fill the emptiness that you, that you have with something meaningful. For example, you may decide to use TV trays for a while rather than sit around the table because that is too hard. Or you may decide to include, include a close friend in the activities you used to do with your boyfriend so that you don't feel so sad and so forth. The point that I'm trying to make is that once you get in touch with what the outer changes are, you can begin to do something to help yourself at this time. The second thing that you can do is to take stock on the inner changes that have happened as a result of your loss. So it could be that you have become more confident or more outspoken because your loved one's illness or death led you to be his or her advocate. Or it could be that you have become more humble after losing your home and more compassionate as a result of that. 
or that you have become more wise as a result of what you learned from your breakup. Or getting in touch with what inner changes you have undergone, again, will help you map out what you can do to help yourself. Perhaps now that you're more outspoken, you can join a group that helps advocate for those who need help in this world, who don't have a voice. Or maybe from your terrible financial loss, you can learn valuable skills that you can use to help others avoid what happened to you. Or perhaps you can share your valuable relationship lessons with other women. It is so very essential that we take time to come to terms with how our experiences have changed us and how, how they have changed us. Because if we don't do this, we're just blindly, haphazardly trying to help ourselves. But we're doing so without the knowledge and the deep foundation that comes from the information that we can glean from our reflections. Do you see this? The sad thing is that we rarely take the time to do this. And why is that? Because our lives are so filled with activities and functions. And that is when we seem to feel the most alive, when we're incessantly active. However, after a major loss, we experience a dramatic reduction in activity. People seem to kind of like stay away from us. Less invitations happen. And this makes us feel very uncomfortable because it forces us to pay attention to our thoughts, to pay attention to our feelings. And this could be giving us pain. But we don't want the pain. We want the panacea, right? So what can we do differently? Well, we can make lemonade with the lemons that we have in handed as a result of our loss, as a result of our difficulties in life. And when we're faced with the silence, with the emptiness, with the loneliness, we need to pay attention to what is different now in our outer world and in our inner world so that we can use that information as the roadmap to help us pick up the pieces of our lives. Does this make sense to you? I hope so. So let me talk now about kindness. In a specific, kindness toward yourself. I think we all can agree that we tend to be kinder towards others than we are towards ourselves. And when we're grieving, we're vulnerable, we're lonely, we're fragile, we're exhausted, and we're sad. This is not the time to be unkind towards ourselves, right? No. On the contrary, this is the time when we need to make every effort to offer ourselves kindness, even if the rest of the world around us is oblivious to our suffering, or is unkind in their words, or if he does not understand our loss. What does this mean? It means that the time has come for you to give yourself permission, like I, like I indicated at the beginning of this show, to do exactly as you please, without taking into consideration whether it hurts someone else's feelings or not. You are going through something unbelievably hard, and therefore you must do what is best for yourself. And if this means that you choose not to attend the holiday celebration of your family because you don't think you can tolerate all the joy, the noise, etc., then that is what you will do. And you do this even if it hurts everyone else's feelings. They will get over it. They're not going through what you're going through. Remind yourself of this, okay? And if this means that you're going to pass on the just not go, not no participate on the traditional gift exchange party at your work, so be it. 
the key here is to realize that being kind to yourself takes precedence over anything else at this time. Does this resonate with you? Because it's important. So I hope it does. So why do you think it is so hard for us to be kind to ourselves? Well, to begin with, we have been conditioned by our families and our society to put others' needs first and to do things to please others. If you add to this the misguided messages we have received in regard to, to selfishness and we're doomed to our own unkindness, doing what we need to do for our well-being is a self-loving practice. I, I would like for you to write this down on a piece of paper and put it with a sticky note on your mirror. Okay, doing what we need to do for our well-being is a self-loving practice. It is not selfish at all, okay? Think about this. When we're self-loving, we strive to be in touch with ourselves, with what we need, with what is happening in our lives, so that we can take better care of ourselves. And that self-care translates into us being more kind and more self-loving, which translates into us being able to be more kind and more loving towards others. You see how it works? That is truly how it works. But what do we see in action? What do we actually see? There is a lot of time. This is what the majority of us do. We spend a lot of time trying to figure out how not to hurt other people's feelings, how to make it work for them how to attend an invitation to something we do not want to attend because let's say we have a migraine or we don't feel like it. We'd rather stay home in our PJs and watch a, a light comedy and forget about our troubles, okay? So we spend our time thinking about how to look good in the eyes of others. You know, the eyes of others who during our most difficult time are not offering us understanding at all. But we nonetheless are bending over backwards to please. So let me ask you, does this make any sense to you? No. I know firsthand what it's like to behave this way because I did this before. Before I opened my eyes to the reality that I was just doing things without thinking about why I was doing them, what was prompting me to do them, and whether what I was doing was self-loving or kind towards myself, or it was making the pleasing of others the priority. So I encourage you, no, I actually not only encourage you, I urge you to make being kind towards yourself a priority in your day-to-day life. I promise you that if you do this, you will notice a beautiful transformation happening in your life before your very own eyes when you decide to do this. So this holiday season, do only what you wish to do. Give yourself permission to stay at home if you so wish, to not buy gifts if you so wish, to go on a shopping spree if you so wish, to go to every function if you so wish, but only as long as that is what absolutely you want to do with your time, okay? That is the best advice I can give you to help you during the holidays because if you don't do what you want to do, you will be compounding your pain and grief by burdening yourself further with experiences you do not welcome. And why would you want to do that? You will not be loving towards yourself. And you know that this is the time. If you're listening to this show right now in this particular moment, this is not a coincidence. The messages in here, they're all directed to 
to help you. If you're someone who is grieving, so take this to heart, okay, that this is the time when you have earned the right to give yourself some very well-deserved self-love and kindness, okay? Lastly, something that you could do is make sure to come up each day with a positive memory about the person you have lost or about your current situation if you have a different type of loss. When you start your day with a positive intention to dwell on the gift that it was to have your loved one with you, you transform the energy for the rest of the day. And I know that I talked earlier about switching our thoughts. And what I was talking about then was when you're having a very uh, difficult day in the moment. But now what I'm talking about is that in addition to that, you can actually begin your day with a positive intention that will transform the energy for the whole rest of your day. So try it, and you will see what a difference it can make. The thoughts that we choose to dwell on create the experiences and the feelings that we will have every day. So we can be conscious creators of our reality if we choose to do so. So I encourage you to choose the positive. And now I know we're getting to the end of the show, and I'm just going to quickly summarize what I have been talking about. The first thing that I talked about is just how difficult it is for someone who has experienced a huge loss, the loss of a loved one or of a child, to go through the holidays. And we have so many memories um, about our loved one, connected with our loved ones during the holidays. And, it's, you know, it can make the person who is bereaved feel more isolated and more sad. And I also talked about the, the fact that with all the hectic activity that, that happens during this time of the year, it's very hard for us to make time to reflect. But however, it is essential for us to do so, so that we can have the clarity that we need in order to figure out how to move forward and how to navigate the holidays as well as our lives. I also talked about... Um, the fact that uh, uh, something that compounds the grief for, for, for those who are bereaved is uh, sometimes the, the comments that they make, um, they hear uh, of people that tell them that they need to get over it. And that is, shows a complete lack of understanding of what, what it feels like to lose someone dear to your heart. I next talked about acceptance and the fact that um, it is hard for someone who has lost a loved one to come to accept. This applies not just to the loss of a person. It could be like a loss of a job, a loss of a relationship. It, it could be a lot of things, but it is particularly poignant with the loss of a person, someone that we love in our lives. And um, society gets impatient, and they want for us, just in order for, this is what happens to society at large, in order for them to feel more comfortable then they press upon those of us who are believing, they, they put the pressure on us that we need to get over and just act as if nothing had happened. How crazy is that? So being aware of that, we just need to ignore those comments and we just need to say to ourselves that we are doing the best that we can at every given moment and that um, you are never going to get over it, but we're going to be able to move, off, move forward in our lives when we're ready, okay, and only when we are ready. And the next thing that I talked about was some of the practices that can help us. And one of them is to channel our thoughts when we find ourselves in a, you know, in a slump of 
um, depression and sadness, we're missing our loved ones so much and we feel that we're crying all the time, we can help ourselves in that moment, in that moment to get out of it or to experience some measure of relief by switching our thoughts to uh, a memory, a positive memory that we have with our child or with our loved one. And in addition to that, we can also begin to dwell on uh, gratitude, thinking of um, how blessed we were to have that person in our life for as long or a short while that we had them, but we were blessed with their presence and with their love. Another thing that I discussed was regret and how we torture ourselves um, with regrets because, you know, the truth of the matter is that we love so much the person that we lost and we want it to be perfect for them, but perfection does not exist. We're human beings. And so um, what we do is that we torture ourselves, and I myself did this, and we remember the one, two, I had a few instances where we just felt that we failed, that we were irritable, or that we just didn't follow through with something that we had said. But we forget the million of times that we were just, you know, we were like heroes for this person that we love. We just did everything. And so I encourage everyone to remember those million of times that were there, to remember, to remind themselves that, that we're only human. And I also did a meditation, a healing meditation of forgiveness, um, during which an angel appears, actually the angel that helps the bereaved uh, people who are bereaved, and his name is Archangel Azrael. And I encourage you to write down this uh, or record this meditation so you can listen to it whenever you're feeling that way, when you're being hard on yourself, okay? And something else that we can do is uh, to help ourselves is to come up with and or identify a cause that your loved one was passionate about and to create maybe a care package and deliver it. For example, if they, were, they wanted to, your loved one just was uh, passionate about the homeless, then uh, create a care package and deliver it to a homeless shelter or, or give it to the homeless people that you see in your neighbor, in your area, in your city, in your town. And I talked about the fact that doing something like this to make a difference in the world, in your lo- dear loved one's name, can be very healing, very healing to your heart, you know. So <clears throat> the most important thing that I, you know, that I could say was that um, we can do, that we can do for ourselves at this time is to offer ourselves kindness at every step, and especially during the holidays. During the holidays, it is paramount that we do this, that we offer kindness to ourselves. And make sure to do only what you want to do during this time. Give yourself permission to attend or not attend any family gatherings, to uh, participate or not participate in gift exchanges and celebrations, okay? Say no to anything that you don't want to do because you're feeling too sad, you're not in the mood to chit-chat with others, whatever. Because you know what the truth is? You know it and I know it, that grief is exhausting and that the smallest activity is extremely draining to us. So if we don't feel up to living at home, just say no. And if people don't like it, well, they will get over it. After all, they have no idea what it's like to walk in your shoes, right? They have no idea, okay? And another thing that I talked about is that when we experience a devastating loss, as we knew it, it's gone. And a new chapter in our life starts. 
And this is a chapter that we did not want, but was imposed on us by life circumstances, right? Which makes it very hard for us to accept. So what can we do to help ourselves at this time? We can begin by taking stock on the outer changes in our lives. How our lives, how in the, you know, our experience in our outer world um, has changed. What is different? You know, what, what areas of our life feel empty? What activities are no longer there? And so forth. So that then we can take steps to kind of diminish, to fill that space, you know, to just be kinder on ourselves, okay? And then the second thing we can do is take stock on the inner changes in our lives. You know, how have we changed? How, what, who are we now? How have we changed? What kind of strengths have we developed? What kind of resilience we have? What kind of uh, gifts can we bring to the table now and how we can utilize them to help ourselves and eventually to help others as we heal during this process, okay? And so lastly, I did talk about the importance of offering uh, kindness to ourselves. And this is so important. I feel so um, passionate about this because I, I feel that um, the way society looks at it sometimes is that when we're kind to ourselves, we're being selfish. But the truth of the matter is that we're not being selfish at all when we're being kind to ourselves. You know, no, we're being self-loving. And there's such a huge difference between being self-loving and being selfish. Okay, so when we're kind to ourselves, we know that when our needs are not met, we're stifling our souls. And when we do that, not only is it not good for us, but it's also not good for others. So what is my recommendation? My recommendation is that for you to think first. Whenever something is, poses a question, somebody poses a question to you or you receive an invitation, and just think first. Is this something I want to do? If the answer is no, don't do it. Don't do it. If the answer is yes, then go ahead. And know this. You are not being selfish. And you have earned the right to take care of yourself and to offer kindness to yourself. So, you know, I hope that the practices I have discussed on this show will help you. Will help you truly, you know, make it through the holidays. Because I know how heart-wrenching the pain is when we have lost a loved one, particularly during the first holidays when we don't have them in our lives. But it's at every holiday. It's at every holiday. We feel that, that hole in our hearts, okay? So um, I encourage you to try these practices and see if they can help you. So now what I would like to do, I'm going to be using a different uh, card, a different deck of angel cards, and this is the Archangel Oracle card deck. And I'm going to go ahead and shuffle the cards right now to see what message. It's a beautiful thing. You know, I also encourage you to, to buy your own deck of cards. You know, to, you can Google, you can go online and go to, to Amazon and look for angel card decks. And you will feel pulled to a particular deck. And so that's the one, the one that you feel pull or attracted to is the one that you need at this time in your life to use. So I'm going to I'm continue shuffling until a car kind of jumps 
and then I'll know that is the card, you know. So this is the card that came through, and I'm going to read to you what the meaning is, okay? So it is Archangel Uriel is the Archangel that came. And Archangel Uriel, I'll tell you what his, his job is, because his angels and archangels all have jobs, okay? Archangel Uriel is the Archangel of intellectual understanding, conversations, ideas, insights, and epiphanies, studying, school, and test-taking, writing, and speaking. So the card that came was clear cognizance. And so this is a message. So to anyone who is listening, this is a message for you for this week from Archangel Uriel. He says, pay attention to thoughts and ideas that come to you because they are answered prayers. You have prayed for answers, and they have come to you in the form of repetitive thoughts telling you to take steps and make healthy changes. Don't discount your thoughts or think they are just dreams or common knowledge. Your thoughts are tuned to high frequencies right now and are trustworthy inspirations. All great inventions, new businesses, and teachings stem from this same universal source of wisdom. You are tapped into that divine wisdom right now, and it's important to notice and record your thoughts. Then act upon these answers to your prayers. So when you work with Archangel Uriel, his name means the light of God. So he's known for his ability to enlighten our minds with divine inspiration. So anytime that you need answers or insights, call upon Archangel Uriel. He answers anyone who calls upon him. And you will know that Uriel has answered when you have repetitive thoughts or ideas that are positive, loving, and helpful. And if you need facts in a hurry, such as during a test or an important meeting, Uriel will support, will supply you with the information. After you ask him for help, the answer will pop into your mind. Trust the information that he supplies. Well, this is a very beautiful message that is very uh, empowering to anyone who is listening and is bereaved. Pay attention to thoughts and ideas that come to you as they are answered prayers. So keep this in mind during this week as you receive messages, ideas, and insights and follow through with the messages because as Archangel Uriel is saying, these are answers to your prayers. So on that note, I leave you until next Thursday when I'll come back um, for the show Blessings with Selene at 10 in the morning. And I send you blessings and I'll keep you in my heart and in my thoughts. Until then, you take care. <laughs>